good morning everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, those of you who are watching Sunday morning, uh, if you are watching at another time, it's also great. It's an honor, it's a privilege to be able to speak to your heart, to speak to you, to speak to your family today. And so yeah, let's, let's open in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. We open our hearts right now to receive from you to receive from your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would come and minister to us, that you would come and have your way. We love you and we want Christ to be formed in us, in our hearts, in our lives, and in our congregations. Um, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, today I'm going to be speaking on the power of spiritual family, the power of of spiritual family and I really believe this is a timely message for us in the church today so I believe yes for our churches that's go Christian churches but also I believe that it's a timely message for the body of Christ it's been so on my heart this week um, and the Lord has been speaking to me concerning this and the importance of of having an understanding of spiritual family at this time at this hour and, you know, we live in a society where convenience rules. So that's the reality, convenience rules, where um, Machiavellian thinking prevails, where time is of the essence. And essentially, we are self-serving, okay? Um, we tend to look after number one, number one, number un numero uno, okay? That's, that's me, that's you, that's ourselves. We tend to look after us first, us foremost, and we demand our way. We demand our way, we demand what we want, um, and we stamp our uh, proverbial feet when we, um, like when we were babes, we stamp our feet so that until we get our own way. And as we grow in Christ, many of us remain at that same level of maturity where we stamp our feet, we want to throw a tantrum, we want our ways. Um, we seem to have gotten stuck in a default drive that's hardwired on selfishness. In the body of Christ, we live as though we are the center of God's world. I am the center of God's world. He owes me something. That's how we live. Maybe people don't say it out loud, but that's how uh, many people in the body of Christ are living today. Um, we live as living as though we are the center. I am the center. God owes me something. It's all about my breakthrough. It's about my calling. It's about my immediate natural family. It's about my holidays, my free time, my finances, my comfort, my feelings, my dreams, my desires, my pleasure, my fulfillment on life. That is what church, many people in church seem to have at the foremost of their minds. And if we preach messages that only speak to those particular things, we're doing a disservice to the body of Christ. Um, we want a spouse who makes us happy. We want more money. We want weather that suits us. We want a job that suits our lifestyle. We want traffic that's easy. We want a government that serves our desires. We want children who do what we want, a church that meets our needs and doesn't require anything from us. We want a God who is there whenever we need him, but doesn't ask anything of us. In fact, many people, and we, we get annoyed when churches share what the word says on certain subjects, especially if, if these uh, particular verses touch on our choices, our finances, our time, our lifestyle, you know, people get very sensitive around this. And it appears 
if we have a quick snapshot at the body of Christ today, many, and, and, and I'm sure this doesn't apply to everyone, it's a generalization, but in many cases it appears that this God that we subscribe to, this God that is our God, He must be our Savior, but He cannot be our Lord. He must come through for us in every single whim and desire that takes our fancy, and He must remain on standby in case we require anything from Him, but He mustn't require anything of us. Um, and so essentially, for many people, um, we've become the center of our own world, which is a very humanistic outlook. And I love how Max Lucado puts this across in his book called, um, entitled, It's Not About Me. He says, when God looks at the center of the universe, he doesn't look at you. When heaven's stagehands direct the spotlight toward the star of the show, I need no sunglasses. No light falls on me. Lesser orbs, that's us. Appreciated, yes. Valued, loved dearly, yes. But central, nope, sorry. Our comfort is not God's priority. If God exists to please us, then shouldn't we always be pleased? Could a Copernican shift be in order? Perhaps our place is not the center of the universe. God does not exist to make a big deal out of us. We actually exist to make a big deal out of God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. And Max Lucado says it, and he just says it so um, beautifully. I wanted to include it. In our current culture, most of us as Christians really do live as though we are the center of God's world. It's about me. Many of our worship songs are written with a prolific number of me, my, I pronouns in them. And, and I just want to ask a question. When did our corporate worship move from being about us worshiping and focusing on God corporately to me singing about myself and his ministry to me? A subtle shift, but there's a shift even in our worship songs. God is, the, God is central in the church. God should be central in our lives. God's values should be our values in life. I love what Colossians 1 verse 15 to 18 says in the Amplified Version. It says, Now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. For it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created and exist through him by his service and intervention, and in and for him. And he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist, cohere, and are held together. He is also the head of his body, the church, seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place, stand first and be preeminent. Isn't that powerful? So that he alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place, stand first and be preeminent. Yes, in the church, but yes, in all of our lives, we all built together form the church. He needs to be that in our lives too. He can't be God on the periphery and um, we just use him when we think we need him. So God is actually meant to uh, hold center stage in my life, in your life, in the church, 
and ultimately through the church to the world. He is the head of his body, the church of which we are a part and to which we belong. Such an important revelation. Such an important revelation. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 4 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Wow. Wow, that flies in the face of our culture today where number one is most important, where my dreams, my desires, my family, my calling, my job, my career, my finances, my breakthrough, God's promises to me, my everything comes first. No, if I read Philippians 2, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. A, a different mindset for us. How different would your life look, would my life look, if we actually applied this verse in our lives? God's main solution to deliver us from self-centered self meology is spiritual family. The Christian faith is not about us spending years on some mountain like a shaman, getting some wisdom, some revelation, and coming down at a certain point with higher wisdom that astounds everyone. No, it's about doing life deeply with spiritual family on a regular basis. It's about doing life deeply with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That, that is what Christianity is meant to be about. And right now, in our current sort of context of COVID, I am aware that it's difficult to do this. And I'm going to address that um, just now with, with a particular scripture from Hebrews. The fact is that God's word is timeless and he desires that we don't look out only for our own interests, but carry the interests of others in our hearts and let them reflect in how we go about living our lives. Okay, I'd like to pose some options to you that you can use to measure yourself in terms of your commitment to this, to spiritual family, to, to the others that are in our churches, because um, that's important to God. I, I want you to, to just to do a, a mental check and see which of these you can relate to. I gather with spiritual family when I'm in the mood. I gather with spiritual family only if it's convenient. I gather with spiritual family when my spouse or significant family member is ministering in some way. I gather with spiritual family when I'm feeling guilty. I gather with spiritual family to ease my conscience. I gather with spiritual family only on special religious holidays. I gather with spiritual family when I'm forced to, when I have a crisis, only when I'm on duty, um, when there's a special event that entertains me. Um, only for my children's benefit, not really for mine. Can you identify with any of those? Because very often the thing that hinders us from gathering, from meeting, whether it's virtually or face-to-face, -face, from 
um, building relationship with others so that we can put their interests first. Very often, the things that hinder us, one of the primary things is meology. I'm focused on me, I'm focused on my, I'm focused on I, I'm focused on what I want, my time, my, 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 me, me, me. It's inconvenient, it's this, it's this, it's this. And we don't go and make the effort to actually interact with our brothers and sisters, so that, with the others that God has placed around us. And I'm specifically talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ today, our spiritual family, so that we can find out what their needs are, so that we can minister to them, which is what spiritual family is all about. And I'm going to show you that shortly. Or can you say, I gather with spiritual family in obedience to the pattern in Scripture. I gather because I'm conscious, because it's important to me, because it's important to God. I'm conscious of how I show up. I show up prepared. I show up full of expectation. And I show up um, with expectation of mutual edification. I'm ready to give even as I'm ready to receive. And that last one, that is, that is first prize. That is what we're going for. Um, today, we're wanting, we're wanting to build, we're wanting to encourage us to meet, encourage us to um, fellowship, encourage us to create opportunities so that we can put the needs of others before ourselves. And that happens when we actually engage with others. And it's not just a Facebook post into, um, out into, you know, the social media platforms and there's never really interaction, two-way interaction, building of relationship, you know. Um, so we're really wanting to encourage, to encourage that. And 1 Peter 2 verse 17 says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. That's in the NIV. In the NKJV, it says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. You see, what am I talking about? What, where am I going with all of this? I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to challenge us today that spiritual family is important, that we can't at the same time subscribe to a meology type of ecclesiology, meology, like it's all about me and my and I, but at the same time, we're walking in obedience to God and we loving the brotherhood, we loving the family of believers. Because you see, there's a disintegration of the value that is placed upon our spiritual family in our current times. You know, and with social media today, people tend to think, oh, well, I've got this Christian over there in America, this one there, this one there, this one there, and we interact from time to time. They see what I'm doing on Facebook or whatever it may be. But that's not what that's not what God had in mind with spiritual family. There's a local church for a reason. There's a local body for a reason. If he's planted you in a local church, well, build there. Build there. Actually engage with the people that are in your local body. Actually try and build relationally. And if you say to me, I cannot build relationally with anyone in my local body, then, I'm, then I want to say to you, either you're not trying, you're not asking God to help you, or you're in the wrong church, you know? God has placed us there, placed us wherever we are for a reason. If you don't find the community there, create it, okay? God wants us to love the brotherhood, to love the family of believers. And part of that involves meeting together. And when I say meeting together, yes, 
It's on Sunday if you can do that. In our current COVID times, it's not always easy to do that. It's not possible for everyone to do that. I'm going to touch on that just now. But we can be creative. We can still meet virtually. We can still make an effort to build spiritual family and to, to not become isolated from the local body that the Lord has placed us in. See, the reality is that there is a disintegration of the value that is placed upon spiritual family in our current times. There is a disintegration. There's a dilution of that value. Complete disintegration for many people. They just, many Christians do not place value upon spiritual family in our times. It's like, why should I go to church? You know, there's COVID. I can sit in my lounge. I can watch the, the minister on TV. I don't have to go anywhere. I can sip my coffee. I can have church in my pajamas, you know. But then there's no other effort made to have contact, to build relationally with other believers in the local body. And so it's a disintegration of, of, of that value of spiritual family in our midst. Um, Matthew 12, verse 46 to 50, as Jesus is, is speaking, um, actually, let me, let me, let me I'll, I'll read it. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. And one said to him, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who, who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus placed such value on spiritual family, such value on those who were doing the will of his Father in heaven. And we need to place value on it as well. You know, many Christians believe that it's the responsibility of the leadership team or the church as an institution to get people to meet, to provide opportunities for people to meet. That it's the responsibility of other people in the church to create meetings, to have a strategy, to have a wineskin, to have a culture that is pleasing enough and fits in with all my other important priorities um, and enables me to build relationally with other believers. Um, and, and by the way, if there's going to be any meetings or anything happening, there better be some perceived personal benefits to me. Um, in order that I go, if, there's, if I don't see any personal benefits, something that I'm going to get out of the meeting, then, you know, count me out. Um, why? Why is that? And, and, you know, people won't say that. They'll create a multitude of excuses. But the bottom line at the end of the day is this. Meology has crept in. They no longer value spiritual family. It's about what I can get. It's about what is it, what is in it for me, not what can I give, not valuing other people, not wanting to build relationally because God has designed us all to be a blessing. Okay, meology has crept into the church. And, and you know what? Why is this? Why is this? And I, and I think that the culture, as leaders, we always have to take responsibility. Um, and the reality is that we have created a consumerist church. The church today is a lot of churches are consumerist in nature. The disciples that we've, we've grown are, are immature and quite honestly all about self. Okay, And, and leaders, need, we need to look at ourselves. Imagine if we did everything for our children all the time. We gave them everything they wanted whenever they wanted it. Um, we would be doing them a gross disservice. 
They would be immature. They would never learn to wait. They would never learn a delayed gratification, which, by the way, is a sign of maturity. Okay? Um, they would never mature and grow into responsible adults. God is love. We need to grow into being more and more like Him. When I love someone, I carry them in my heart. I think of them. I schedule time with them. It becomes less about me and, and more about there's space for someone else in my heart and my mind and my world and my time. And that is what I'm talking about. Making space for spiritual family. Making God um, and moving God back into the center of our world, that he holds that place of preeminence, that scripture that I read at the beginning, prioritizing what God prioritizes, valuing what God values, and basically living in obedience to his word because God commands it. We're going to look at some scriptures just now that God commands that we continue meeting. God commands that we take care of our spiritual family, okay? As I survey the, the current landscape of Christian culture, I see an interesting mindset taking root. There's one of a habit of convenience, a habit of convenience. And specifically right now, I'm talking about our current situation with the, with the coronavirus. Um, I'm sure there are many who have existing comorbidities and have a legitimate reason to not meet face to face with spiritual family whether it's church or whatever it may be, they have a legitimate reason, and, and that's fine. But even for those people, at least attempt to be in relationship and be chatting and be communicating with, with, with your spiritual family. But um, yeah, there's still a standard and a commitment to God and brothers and sisters. Um, but, but for many people, it's a habit of convenience that has kicked in where it's more, it's easier to just do church in, on Sunday, maybe on my bed with my earphones on, I do it on my own, you know, maybe in my lounge, I kind of do it whenever I feel like doing it, it's easier, it's a habit of convenience, um, and just because we can't meet face to face, we end up not cultivating love and care for one another, not following up and building relationships within our local bodies, um, and quite frankly, I think there are many who've grown accustomed to doing church in their living rooms, many who have grown accustomed to just doing church with their immediate family or maybe even on their own. Um, and, and these people are not, um, are not the same people that I'm talking about who have comorbidities. Okay, These are the, the people who they say, no, they can't come to church because of COVID. The same people you'll see tomorrow at the mall in a crowded mall doing month-end shopping um, spending hours there, sitting in restaurants with no masks on, um, at the high, at a packed restaurant, um, hours in the mall, hours in restaurants, hours in some other crowded space, but they can't come to church because of COVID. I'm saying there's something wrong. There's something wrong there. If you don't value church, then at least say you don't value church. You know, don't um, paint it in something that it's not, because we're dealing with a deeper issue here. A deeper issue of people not valuing spiritual family, people not valuing relationship in the church, people not valuing meeting together. I, I meet um, virtually, literally every day with people in prayer and it's beautiful and it's awesome, you know, and it's possible. So it is possible to meet virtually. It's possible to cultivate relationships virtually, you know. So I'm not saying that you have to you know, meet and put yourself at risk, meet face to face. But if we 
cultivate a habit of living separate from spiritual family, it's going to become a problem in the church, in the body of Christ. And that's where I see this going. Um, a culture of, of isolation is being created. Love for the body of Christ is growing cold. You know, it's growing cold if ever it was there. And I'm wanting to just say, hey guys, we need to take stock and, and, and bring ourselves back to the plumb line, back, back to the center of, of God's word and, and, and his desire and, and valuing what God values. You see, when you have a fire burning in a fireplace with hot coals and you take one of those coals out of the fireplace and you put it on its own, um, what happens to that coal? It was burning really brightly when it was in the fire with all the other coals. You put it out there, what's going to happen? It's gradually going to grow colder until the fire in it burns out. And that is a picture of very often what happens to us as believers when we self-isolate from other believers. When we self-isolate, when we think, nah, I can do it on my own. I don't really need this. I get the word from the TV. Pfft, that's enough for me. It's most convenient to do it that way. I don't need any other believers. Um, yeah. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25 says, let us think of ways. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways. Let us be creative in how we motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. I'm going to say that again. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It's not saying, let us think of ways to motivate ourselves to acts of love and good works. No, it's one another. Let us motivate one another. I love that. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So there, it's very clear. Let us not neglect that meeting together. I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. If you are not meeting with fellow believers in your local body, make an effort to do so. Make an effort to do so. Maybe it's in a small group setting. Maybe it's a virtual setting. Maybe it's going, actually making an effort to get to a Sunday service if it's still happening. Whatever it is. Maybe it's coming to prayer, Zoom prayer. At least that's something. But make an effort. Make an effort so that you don't neglect meeting together. When was the last time you gathered with other believers for a service, for corporate worship, for a prayer meeting, um, virtually or face to face? When was the last time you gathered with other believers in your local church? When you went out of your way to creatively think of ways to motivate your fellow believers to meet and encourage one another. When you went out of your way to think of ways to motivate and strengthen your fellow believers. You see, in a mindset of meology, of my breakthrough, my finances, my business, my career, my calling, there's no space in my head to think about other people and how I'm going to help them and strengthen them. But the Bible is clear. That's what God wants us to do. That's, that's how he's designed the body of Christ. That's the purpose of the body of Christ. And whether you believe this or not, you need the body of Christ and the body of Christ needs you. There's something that you carry for me. There's something that I carry for you. God made the body that way. We need each other. We all matter. We're not the center of the universe, but we all matter. You matter. If you don't show up, there's a hole. There's a gap. 
There's something that's incomplete. That's how God made the body. He made us to be Inter, he wants us to grow up into interdependence, where we rely on each other, where we know this is my strength, this is my gift, that is your strength, that is your gift. Let's work together, let's use it together, let's strengthen each other, let's help each other. That is what the body of Christ is all about. I'm going to read you a scripture from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 27. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You are who you are because he pleased it that way, because he designed it that way, because there's something about you being the way that you are, being gifted the way that you are, that is for the body, that, that fulfills his purposes. So God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? We can't all be Pastor Paul and preach every Sunday. We can't all be um, uh, Pastor Stuart and sit on the drums every Sunday. We can't have a church full of drummers. Okay, we can't all do, we can't all do the same thing. We are different for a reason. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? There is a place for each one of us. We don't have to be jealous. We don't have to be competitive. We don't have to seek after things and be cutthroat in the body of Christ or even in our lives because God has designed each one of us with a purpose that no one else is going to fulfill except us. God has designed you and he needs you in his body and he needs me in his body and I need to be present. Amen. I love what Paul says to the Corinthian church in, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. He says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize when you meet together. So he's assuming that they're meeting. He assumes that we meet when you meet together. One will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Wow, that is awesome. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, so we should be meeting together, one will sing, one will teach, one will give some revelation, one will speak in tongues, one will do, everybody has something, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. What is the purpose of these people meeting? What is the purpose of our meetings? That 
when we meet, and we should be meeting, okay, that the meetings strengthen us as the body of Christ. We all get strengthened. We don't just get strengthened when the pastor pitches up, ready to minister, and everyone else pitches up, feed me, feed me, my name is Jimmy. No, you know, it's like we all have to come and be fully present with everything that God has blessed us with. We have to be available for God to use. And when that happens, it strengthens the body of Christ, okay? Um, when we meet, we will each have something to strengthen and encourage the other believers present. And that's why it's so important that we show up, that we show up prepared, that we show up ready, that we show up with an expectation in our hearts, that we show up prayed up, we show up on time so that we flow with the flow of the meeting and we're hearing what God is saying because God wants to use all of us. I remember how, you know, when I was newly born again and I wasn't involved in any particular service on Sunday, so I would come into the church service and worship and listen to the word and um, fellowship afterwards and then go home. I remember when I come, I'd be like, Lord, give me a word for someone. Give me a word. Give me something that will bless someone today. I would come expectant. And you know what? I can't think of a single time when I said that, when I asked him for that, that he didn't give me something for at least one person. Often it was more than that. I would come and somebody would just jump out at me and I would have a sense of something for them and I'd go over and I'd tell them or I'd say, hey, can I pray? And then I would pray it. People would be so blessed. A personalized word for them, you know, such a blessing. However God has gifted you, come to church. It's a smile. It's your gift of joy. Maybe it's the prophetic, hearing a word for someone because we can all prophesy with the simple gift of prophecy, especially if we've been um, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so come to church ready and we strengthen each other. Come to your meetings, your virtual meetings ready. We strengthen each other. You know, I love our prayer meetings, our Zoom prayer meetings. I love them. I'm strengthened and I'm encouraged by the scriptures that are shared by the various people that are prayed through by the various people that attend. I'm strengthened and I'm encouraged by their prayers. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Don't, don't tell me that. You can't come to any of our meetings, Sunday service meetings, and you can't make any of our Zoom prayer meetings, and you can't meet with, with, your, with anybody in your local church. Don't tell me that. You know, yes, we only have Sunday service right now and Zoom meetings, but we have Zoom meetings every day. If, if you say that you're wanting to pray and you're not, you won't join Zoom prayer meetings, uh, but you're not even praying on your own, there's a problem there. It's, it's, it's so encouraging to pray with other believers. Often people will give a myriad of excuses, but at the bottom line, at the, at the, uh, you know, the bottom line is if people don't prioritize it, they won't make it. You know, um, there's Zoom every day, sometimes twice a day. If it was a priority, you would make it. It's not a priority. That's why you don't make it. And it's the same with church. You know, let's be real people. Let's be honest. Let's be upfront. And I don't have a problem. You know, maybe you don't like virtual prayer. Maybe it's not for you. That's fine. But are you praying corporately with anyone? Are you praying in agreement with someone? Because if you're not, at least do something. You know, take a step in, in the right direction. No, we can't have massive prayer meetings now. We can't. It's where we're at. But let's do something. What am I saying? Do something. If you need to grow in prayer, do something. If you need to start your, your, your small groups, do something. Have them virtually. If you don't want people in your home, I completely understand. But do something. Don't just sit back and fold your arms and say, no, I can't do anything because it's COVID. 
No, I don't like virtual things. No, I can't go to church on Sunday. Because the Bible says, it doesn't say when you meet in brackets, except when it's COVID. No, it says when you meet. Okay, so let's make a plan. Be proactive, you know. Of course, I prefer prayer where I can play my keyboard or there's worship music. We can flow in praise and worship where I can see people that I'm praying with and so forth. But it's not an ideal situation. So I'll go with what, what, I, what, what there is, you know, and God can use that. So it's important. It's important that we gather. It's important that we care for our spiritual family. And that's the local church. I'm not talking about... Joe blogs in the UK who you Facebook with and the other person in America who you knew from 10 years ago who you touch base with from time to time. No, he's put us in a local church for a reason. You know, let's care for one another. Let's love on one another. Let's strengthen one another. Let's make an effort to do it. Let's come. If we are going to come to a virtual meeting or we're going to come to a Sunday services, Let's, let's bring something. Let's, let's bring, have something to encourage our fellow believers. Bring a smile. Be prayed up. Trust God for a word for someone. Um, just have it in your heart that you're also going to add to the flow on a Sunday, Sunday message. And you know what, people, please? Don't rock up to church half an hour late. It's, I can't believe that in the church it, we've got to that point. It's so dishonoring of God and the people who are there. It's so disrespectful and it's so distracting when you walk in in the third song and you look around and we're trying to press in as a worship team and you've just walked in. Maybe you're not even prayed up. We were heading in a certain direction trying to create some kind of momentum with the people that are there. And then you rock up and you're completely not even with us. And now it feels like it's kind of like swimming when you're swimming with other people and you're creating a, a flow, you like tracking with them. So you're drafting them, so to speak. And then someone comes in and they just cut right across you. And it's like it, it doesn't work well. So, for instance, like, like this particular last Sunday, people, the, the, the church is, is pretty empty when we start. So I do not know why people still rock up late. They rocked up late when it was 9.30. It's now 11.30. They still rock up late. I don't know why. I don't understand. Okay. But anyway, people come. Uh, we, st we, start, we started on Sunday. And it's like we're trying to build, trying to build. And people arrive to church and I think for many people, they don't understand that the state of your heart affects corporate worship because you bring something. You either bring something good and you add to the flow or you bring passivity and you're a heavy weight. It's like trying to pull a heavy, like imagine a dog is sitting on a sheet or a blanket and you're wanting to get the dog off and you're pulling it. Okay. It makes it much more difficult to, it's weight, dead weight. So what am I saying? I'm saying, hey guys, let's rock up. Let's rock up on time if we're going to be in a virtual meeting, if we're going to be in a, and by the way, virtual prayer meeting, everybody, everybody has been awesome. Everyone rocks up on time. But when we come to church, please, let's honor God. You wouldn't rock up 30 minutes late if you were meeting with your boss, but you're rocking up to meet with God and you rock up 30 minutes late. And for most people, it's a habit. It's not even a once-off. It's a habit, you know? Um, yeah. So please, let's honor God. Let's honor those who are there, the other people, the other, our fellow brothers and sisters who've come to meet with God. Let's honor them. Let's arrive on time. Let's get with the flow of praise and worship. Let's all press in so we can break through together so we're not just dead weight on the praise and worship team who's trying to make progress 
uh, trying to facilitate congregational worship on a Sunday morning, okay? And you know what the sad thing is? Often the people who rock up late, they're not even aware of it. Just rock up late, like, okay, looking around, okay, I suppose the worship is okay today, you know? Pat on the back, I actually made it to church. Pat on the back before the pastor started preaching. That's pretty good, you know? No, you know, come on. Um, Malachi 1 verse 6 to 8 says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests. And by the way, in the New Testament, we're all prophets, priests, and we, it's, it's, you know, we, 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 we the priests. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. And you ask, but how have we, defi how have we defiled? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, that's second-rate sacrifices. When you offer blind animals, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. What is God saying? He's saying, guys, what you're bringing to my altar is second rate. Try offering that to your, to your boss, to your ruler, to your governor. You know, Try rocking up 30 minutes late consistently when you've got a meeting with your boss. And, and, and will he accept you? That's what God is saying here. You know? and, um, and he's saying, don't offer second rate sacrifice. I'm going to look at that a bit, uh, a bit later. Second rate worship of God. Okay, Malachi 1 verse 11 to 13 says, But my name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great. But you profane it by saying, The Lord's table is defiled, and its food is contemptible. And you say, What a burden. Church, what a burden. Worship, what a burden. Oh, this message, this is just going on. What a burden. You profane it by saying, the Lord's table is defiled, its food is contemptible. What a burden. You sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, when you offer second-rate sacrifices, basically, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that church is perfect. No church is perfect. And in fact, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because it won't be perfect after you've joined it. Okay, you get my drift. No church is perfect. No service is perfect. Your responsibility is to come in obedience to God's word, to offer sacrifices to him that are not second rate. And by the way, he says he desires obedience more than sacrifice. So we have to live a life of obedience to his word and then come to worship. And that's what he wants. Um, so, yes, God wants us to gather. I'm just kind of reiterating what I've been speaking about. He wants us to care for each other. Part of he wants us to gather together. And when we gather together, we to have the others, the others in our heart. We to be carrying the body. We to, we to encourage each other to good works. We, we to continue meeting together. That's, that's what this message is, is really talking about. In Isaiah 66, the Lord says, Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What kind of house would you build for me? And what kind can be my resting place? For all these things my hand has made, and all these things have come into being by and for me, says the Lord. But this is the man to whom I will look and have regard. He who is humble and of a broken or wounded spirit, and who trembles at my word and reveres my commands. Who is that person? That is a person where God is central. 
God is preeminent. That is not a person who subscribed to meology. Okay? He says, uh, then it carries on and says, the acts of a hypocrite's worship are as abominable to God as if they were offered to idols. And he continues, um, uh, and he says, such people have chosen their own ways. They delight in their abominations. Chosen their own ways. You see that? They've chosen their own ways. It's about them. It's about their will. It's what they want. Such people have chosen their own ways. They delight in their own abominations. So I will choose. Uh, so I also will choose their delusions and mockings, their calamities and afflictions. I will bring their fears upon them because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not listen or obey, but they did what was evil in my sight and chose that in which I did not delight. I wanting to ask you today, are you living a life in obedience to his word? Are you delighting in his word? Are you trembling at his word? Does his word have preeminence in your life and in your heart? If his word says something, does that nail it? Is that the final word? Or do you take parts of scripture and build your own doctrine and what suits your own lifestyle and leave the other scriptures that you don't like? Because that, when we take part of scripture and build our life around that, and we ignore other parts of the Bible. That's that's meology. It's like we're forming our own little our own little um, our own truth, and we become the arbiter of that truth and the judge of what is true and what is acceptable enough for me to apply in my life. If it suits me, if it if it suits my lifestyle and my what I want and my dreams and my desires and my fleshly wants. That is, that is not what God desires. He wants his word to be preeminent. Um, when you come to a gathering, you are obeying his word, whether it's a virtual gathering, whether uh, it's an online gathering, whether it's a Sunday service. Um, I want to encourage you, come prepared, because God, we've just read today that in his word, he says that everyone has something to bring. We can't just come to church and expect the praise and worship leader to lead us in worship, and we're kind of there, and we're kind of not, and then we sit down, and the pastor feeds us, and then we get up, and we go. That's not what church is supposed to be about. We're supposed to come prepared, come prayed up, come so you can influence the spiritual climate in church, that you can help everybody enter in and break through into another level, that there can be signs and wonders and miracles in our midst, be part of the, the breakthrough, be part of the solution, and ask God, maybe there's someone there that you can strengthen, you can encourage, you can bless, be a blessing, be a producer, don't be a consumer, amen. If you can't come to church on Sundays, if you can't come to our daily virtual prayer meetings, what creative plan are you coming up with to fulfill your responsibility to the Word of God together? It's not your pastor's responsibility to make sure that you do that. You're responsible before God to obey His Word. What are you coming up with to fulfill your responsibility to God together with fellow saints, virtually or face to face? What are you doing? What creative plans are you coming up with to fulfill your responsibility to strengthen and encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ? Okay, this is important. We need to grow up, people. We need to grow up, take responsibility for our spirituality. In Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, 
and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And listen to this. Surprise, surprise. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is such a powerful scripture, such a powerful picture of what our church is meant to be like, what our community is meant to be like. We're devoting ourselves to the teaching and we're devoting ourselves to fellowship. We're devoting ourselves to teaching. We devote the apostles' teaching. We're devoting ourselves to fellowship. We devote ourselves to sharing in meals. Okay, that's a bit more challenging for some people right now. Devoting ourselves to prayer. And then what followed? Miraculous signs and wonders. Surprise, surprise. What followed? Um, many people were added to the church. Surprise, surprise. When we have community, people are attracted to community. When we have real community with people who really love each other, with people who really care for each other, what happens? People are attracted to that and, and, we, and we grow. Okay, This is one of the reasons I said to the church in, in Centurion, a number of weeks ago, I said, guys, you know what? Let's think of one person. Ask God to give us one person. It can be someone who used to come to our church who doesn't come anymore. It can be someone who's in our church, a fellow believer. Think of someone and just commit to praying for them every day, once a day, five minutes, boom. And you know what? Maybe God will give you a word. Maybe, you know, just care for them. Take four weeks, take a month and just care for them for a number of weeks and let's see what God does, you know. It's not difficult to come up with a strategy or a plan for how we can be of use to God. We can be a blessing to those around us. Trust God, ask Him and He'll give you a strategy for you. Um, yeah, Acts 5 verse 42. And every day in the temple and from house to house they continued to teach and to preach this message every day, every day in the temple and house to house. What, what's that talking about? They were meeting. They were engaging. They were in fellowship. They were building relationship. There was actual discourse between them. Okay. Um, there was a community. So important. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 5 says, Coming to him, a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. We're being built up to a spiritual house. We can't be built up into a spiritual house if I'm a brick that has legs that's continually running away from any other believers in my local in my local church. Okay, God wants to build us up. He wants to knit us together. Um, Colossians 2 verse 1 to 3 says, For I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the mysteries of wisdom and knowledge. Beautiful, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together. We have to be in relationship for our hearts to be knit together in love. 
We have to be walking together through things for our hearts to be knit together in love. We have to be actually, you know, uh, having some type of engagement with each other for our hearts to be knit together in love. Colossians 2, 18 to 19, let no one cheat you of your reward. Take delight in false humility and worship of angels, including those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. When does it grow? From whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. God is wanting to nourish us. He wants us to be knit together that we can grow together with increase from God. We need to be, there needs to be relationship. There needs to be community. There needs to be care, genuine love for one another in our midst. And I'm wanting to challenge us today. And I'm not speaking down at you. I'm, I'm encouraging us and I'm encouraging you. I'm challenging myself even as I'm challenging you. Where is your love for your fellow believers? Where, where is your interface? Where's the effort that we are making? You know, Jesus calls his, his house a house of prayer for all nations. And that word house actually means household. His church will be a household of prayer for all nations. And it has connotations of family. His church will be a family, a household of prayer for all nations. He desires us to be true spiritual family, to grow together, okay, to be in relationship. Um, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 4, so when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ is present. There's something about a corporate gathering that where the power of Jesus is there. But he says, when you are assembled, there has to be some type of assembly in your life. There has to be. Figure it out. I don't know what the answer is for you, but figure it out. You're accountable to God. I'm accountable to God. Okay, we have to make a plan. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 2. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. How can we do that if we never relate, if we never meet, if we never talk, if we never pray together, if we never share, if we never sharing with each other? We can't. So God desires that we be like-minded, we have the same love, we be of one accord and of one mind. Okay, so my message has been quite direct today and it's been direct to you and it's been direct to me and it's been direct to the body of Christ and to our local churches. Um, but the reality is now more than any other time, the church, including you and I, need to grow up. We need to grow up. The church needs to grow up. She needs to mature. She needs to take ownership and individual responsibility, be accountable to the Lord. We need to move past that toddler stage of maturity where we want what we want and we want it now. And it's really all about me, my I, my breakthrough, my finances, my, my comfort, my, my, everything, me, my. You know, it can't be there. We have to move beyond that. We need to value what God values. We need to place a premium upon what God places a premium upon. We need to place a premium upon what His Word places a premium on. Um, and we need to understand that building spiritual family 
as well as meeting is important and we need to make an effort to do it. We need to do it however we can in our current situation. If you have comorbidities and you cannot meet face-to-face, -face, come up with a creative solution, but we need to still be meeting. And when we meet, when we meet corporately face-to-face, when we do it, we need to show up on time, people. We need to show up prepared. We need to show up ready to strengthen others, ready to be a blessing to others, ready to fulfill our role in the body, okay? Within this time of COVID, we really need to think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and not neglect our meeting together as some people do, as the writer of Hebrews tells us. So I want to leave this challenge with with us today, we need to value the power of spiritual family. We need to value our brothers and sisters and the role and what uh, in our lives and what they carry for us. And so having said that, I want to say thank you for listening to this. And I pray that God will continue to add to what I've shared and will give you creative ideas for you, for your local body, wherever you are. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you tonight, this morning, this afternoon, whenever we're listening to this message. And we repent, Lord God, for where we've grown. Our love for you and for your word and for your church has grown cold. And we ask that you would have mercy upon us, Father. Lord God, we repent where we've rocked up to church with a consumerist mentality, where we viewed church from a consumerist perspective, Lord God, where we've subscribed to theology that really and ecclesiology that is really all about meology it's all about me my i and we like even the messages that we choose to listen to are about that lord god would you have mercy upon us father where we've grown lazy in meeting because we've allowed the god of convenience to prevail in our lives we repent of that and we choose today to submit to your word and we ask that you would help us and give us creative ideas in terms of how we can meet how we can pray corporately lord god how we can gather with our fellow brothers and sisters father whether it's virtually or whether it's face to face and father i thank you that you take us as a church to new levels of body ministry of ministering to each other and new levels even in our services and our meetings father in jesus name i pray amen thanks everyone